can you can give them a, a, a round of thanks. Um, what you don't see that some of us get to see is the practice and the the uh, the thought that goes into working over the music, the thought that goes into choosing the music, the the hours of work. I always think about the uh, the years of their mothers chasing them to practice. You know, they're forcing them to go to piano class, they're forcing them to go to guitar lessons. Uh, you know, the the years of being chased down the street with a switch, as Brenda's. Uh, grandmother did to her mom so you know that there's that whole uh whole behind the scenes story that we don't think about when we consider um those that are working and leading and taking us into uh to our worship this morning would you bow your heads with me for a, a prayer one more time as we get started father as we talk a little bit today i pray that we would not hear a preacher but we will hear from your holy spirit that you would take the time that we share into your own hands, do with it as you will. In Jesus' name, amen. Today I want to talk on the subject, the bride, the queen, and the Sabbath. The bride, the queen, and the Sabbath. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9. We'll get back to this text in a little while, but here's the passage. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also caused from his works as God did from his. So if you, uh, or ceased from his work as God did from his. I, I, I want you to hold this one because we're coming back to it. That God has ceased from his work. And he is calling us to enter a certain rest. So I want to talk about the Sabbath today. I want to talk about this bride. This bride. As, as in the Hebrew world, the Sabbath as it arrives in your house is supposed to be like a bride coming to her groom. It's supposed to be welcomed like a bride coming into the home of the groom. So we think about that a little bit. Think about the, the fanfare of that. Those of you gentlemen who can remember so far back when you were just young and just, uh, you know, 18, 19, 20, 30, whenever you ended up finally finding someone who would marry you. And you were standing there watching them enter the church. Do you remember those feelings? Do you remember watching them enter the church? Remember looking at them as they came down to, to greet you, to, to see you? Hopefully you didn't see that dress beforehand. That was bad luck, you know. I'm not sure what luck has to do with it, but that's what they say. Do you remember those feelings? Do you remember those experiences? Do you remember entering into your first home together? Do you remember those, those walks into your first, I mean, a crummy little apartment somewhere that was, a, you know, 600 square feet and 50 bucks or whatever it was? You, that was your first place together, and you kind of got in there together, and you, you walked in, and it was your place, and you had that, that moment of satisfaction, and it, it was us, and it was, it was being drawn together. That's the Sabbath. The Sabbath is supposed to be this thing you greet as it enters your home like the bride. A moment of joy, a moment of reception, a moment of, of satisfaction, a moment of absolute, finally, anticipation having met its anticipated. That's how Sabbath is supposed to start. The bride coming in to your home. Number two. The queen. The queen. Now there's a difference with the queen. 
I'm interested that in, in Hebrew, the Sabbath is always a female. So it's the bride arriving. It's also the queen arriving. There's a regalness to it. There's a status to it. There's a, statter, sta- a stature to it. There's a stand up and put on your best face to it. There's a, hey man, the queen has come. Stand up, put your shoulders back and be ready because the queen has arrived in your home. The bride, the queen, the Sabbath. The bride, the queen, the Sabbath. So that Friday evening comes. You've been working at the end of the end of the week. I love summers for this because you can get a little time to actually, you know, wash the dishes, prep some things, get ready for things without having to hustle quite so much before the sun sets. The idea is that everything's kind of wrapped up and done, and you're waiting in anticipation for the bride, the queen, the Sabbath to show up at your place. And when the sun sets. And darkness settles in on the world. There it is. This day of joy and gladness. Raise your hand if you were raised in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Okay? How many times on a regular basis as you were raised in the church... Was that your, you don't have to tell me this. You don't have to hold up numbers or shout, okay? But how many times was that anticipation of the bride, the queen, the Sabbath, your experience? Was that a, an everyday, every week thing? Was that a, a once in a blue moon thing? Was it a ever, I've never heard of this before thing? That's how it's supposed to work. So you know what you have opportunity for? Preparation between now and next week. For the bride, the queen, the Sabbath, to come into your house. Preachers preach out of what's filling their their mind and their heart. And I have had an ongoing conversation for about three weeks with someone about the Sabbath. And it, it just means that I've been looking at it, thinking about it, reading about it. And what's cool about it is as I'm reading just in places where I'm not expecting it, I come across it. And I, I find myself going through Deuteronomy, and there it is. I find myself in Isaiah, and there it is. I find myself wandering around the Scriptures on my regular sort of perusal and my regular order of systematic things, whatever my process, it seems to be that the Sabbath pops up when it's, when it's in the front of my mind. The, the Lord points at the letters, points at the words, points at the places where He wants me to learn something about it. Today, I want to take you to Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. This was pointed out to me. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. Now note, this is chapter 2, not chapter 1. So at the end of chapter 1, you have, and it was the sixth day, and blah, 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 and yada, yada, and all that, right? And now in chapter 2 starts this new bit. Remember, the, the, the visions in the text were not there originally, so you would have gone straight out of 1 into this. This would be, and the, six, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day, so the creation of the heavens and the earth, where everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So what has he done? He's finished creating the planet, right? He's, everything is here. He's, fi- he's finished all that cr- those creative activities. He's finished his work of creation. So he rested 
from all his work. When you finish your work, what do you do? Wash your hands, you go out, you go in the living room, leave the garage or leave the backyard or wherever you've been working, you go sit down and you take that breath. And usually if you're me, I'm like satisfied. That's a very satisfying thing for me when the, when that work gets finished and I get in the house or I, I, I get wherever I'm going in the backyard, whatever, wherever I'm going and I get to sit down and just be done. Have that thing wrapped up. Satisfaction. I wonder if God felt satisfaction in this moment. It says, and then after all was done, he rested. He rested from his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. I meant to bring a lounge chair up here. I don't have one. Okay. You're all sitting in probably the most loungy thing available in this spot. So here's what I want you to do. You're all going to be my illustration because I can't lounge for you. Okay, so those chairs have that nice sort of back on them, right? So let yourself rest all the way back in the chair. Put your head back. Don't close your eyes. I saw some people closing their eyes. I'll never see you again. <laughs> that rest now. Now allow yourself just to feel your breath. Just rest. Just relax. Go on, participate. The Sabbath is supposed to give you this kind of experience. You're supposed to rest from worry, rest from stress, rest from work. You're supposed to be in a zone that's different from your normal zone. So put your head back. Come on, some of you are not participating. Head back. You're like, some of you are too tall. You're like, my head doesn't touch anything. The one time in your life when you're not the winner. So put your head back. Rest. The thought here, the idea here is when the queen and the bride arrive, the queen is helping structure and order things so you can rest. The bride has fulfilled that anticipation and she's arrived and she's brought a smile to your face. And your, your, your desire of what is coming has met that desired thing, and now you can stop striving, you can rest. The bride, the queen, the Sabbath. The point is that the, this, this next day, he created a kind of peaceful rest that allows you to join yourself fully to him. Because if your work, if your struggles if your covetousness, if the things that drive you from day to day are still driving you, there's less room for Him in you. You got it? It's an emptying and a relaxing and a trusting. Okay, you got to sit up straight because you're going to start falling asleep on me. Some of you are enjoying this a little too much. But I want you to get that there's a creative activity on this day. He created this day of rest. He set aside, blessed, and hallowed. He made this day a, spe- a very specific kind of day. Um, I, a, a person told me this week, or two weeks ago, Chris, only a holy God can make a holy day. He blessed and hallowed 
whole, made holy, sanctified, which means to set, a fi- set aside for a holy purpose. He takes this last day, this seventh of the cycle, and he said, okay, on this day, we're not going to create anything anymore. I'm going to stop doing that to give you a picture of what you're doing next. You know what you're doing next? Chillax. It's really a good word for the Sabbath. Chillax. Chill means kind of stop getting so stressed out. Relax. And relax means let your body do it. Let your body chill out. Chill means put your brain to rest. And relax means let your body follow. Chillax. Okay, you got it? There's a Hebrew word for this. We'll get to that later. There's a Hebrew word for chillax. Okay? We will get to that word later. But I want you to understand it. If you can begin to understand what this, this final act of God on the seventh day of creation is He creates a kind of rest that allows mankind to fully engage Him. That's the call. That's the desire. That's God's desire for you. A date, an appointment, a time when you put aside and set aside everything else so that you can let yourself be fully engaged with God. A holy God makes a holy day so that you can hang out with Him. Not a holiday. Holiday is some kind of corruption of shortened, shortened thing here, but a holy day. A holy God makes a holy day to hang out with Him on. That's the last act of creation. He creates rest. Because you and I needed it. Every part of creation meets a need And this is the final act of creation, meeting a final need. One day, when you relax and give God space in your life. It's been worse since sin. After the eating of the apple, things got more complicated for us. We started doing all kinds of things. We got all kinds of stuff going through our mind that has nothing to do with God. In fact, some of those things are anti-God. And the idea of Sabbath is even that gets put aside. We'll get to that more later as well. So here we are. The Sabbath is the final act of creation. If you don't recognize it as that, it starts to be some weird thing. And you end up throwing a bunch of rules at it, throwing a bunch of behaviors at it, forgetting that it is a creative act of God. And all things in created were created for you. Were created for man to have the most awesome life possible. So the Sabbath is just a little bit of awesomeness straight from the hand of God for you. So next week, as you start preparing for the bride to arrive, remember when she arrives, she's a little bit of awesomeness happening at your house. When the queen gets there, and you want the house clean, you want the dinner ready, you want everything just perfect, which you've already finished, because you want to be able to go, done. Sit on the couch, and wait for the Sabbath to work its way into your day, work its way into your life, work its way in through your windows and your doors and your heart. When you get to that moment when you can relax, you know you've gotten there. Because God created this to give to you so that you and He could be together. The the Sabbath creation is a creation of time. The seventh day was a gift to a perfect person. We have a little problem with this because we're always fighting the, the sinful part of our lives and the, the, the corruptedness, of, corruptedness of our hearts to make Sabbath work for us. But the Sabbath was given to a perfect couple. They did not know any sin, but still they needed to stop. Remember, they were given work. The garden was theirs to tend and to keep. 
They weren't, they weren't, they were, this was not couch potato garden behavior. This was, you take care of the garden. You hang out in the garden. You do things in the garden. Sweat of the brow hasn't been given yet. Sweat of the brow is a different thing, and I think a very important thing, but not for today's conversation. But they have been given this thing, this rest in a perfect, envir- perfect environment where they have no sin. The first gift was the gift of time. You ever heard somebody say, my parents gave me everything but themselves. They didn't have time for me. You ever heard of that? You know, they've got, they, they paid for everything. They took care of everything. I was never neglected. I never had a problem, but I never knew my parents because they didn't have time for me. And I resent that. That's almost always the line that follows. They didn't have time. They didn't have time. And the very first gift given to mankind before sin was time. God said, I give you time and space because of the queen to pay attention to the bride. Space in your head because of the queen who sets boundaries around the thing so that you can meet me there. The very first gift was a gift of time. It is still the most sought-after gift of all. Most people would rather be poor and have time with their family than be rich and have none. Unfortunately, most people discover that long after they're far down the road in it. Be thoughtful about the gift of time. Very often your children, your grandchildren, whomever you're having the opportunity to give time your time to your spouse, your neighbors, your friends, whomever is desirous of your time, all they really want is a break. Just sit with them and talk to them. Give the gift of time. I had a good conversation with someone this week, and I, and I, I mentioned to them something I've, I, I've known a long time, never practiced a lot until Anne Lamont kind of threw it in my face, and I had to because she cussed at me while she was doing it. It was in a book. But she said, you must be present to win. And, you know, you hear that, right? You, you know, it, you, you, you filled out the little ticket for that the kid brought around your neighborhood, and you bought five tickets because it was a kid, and five bucks wasn't that terrible, and he looked happy when you bought the five tickets. And, they, and then he said at the end, well, um, you have to be at the Boy Scout meeting to win. I wasn't buying a ticket, so I had to go to a Boy Scout meeting. Can't you just mail it to me? Well, no, you have to be present to win. Your whole life is that. Your entire life is covered by that rule. You have to be present to win. If you read this week's newsletter already, I've been thinking about this a long time because some of us sacrifice the present for the future. We're so worried about what we will be that we don't have time to actually be. We're struggling so much to get over the hill into the future that we, we, we completely miss the blessings of the moment. Some of us spend so, not, so much time regretting what we did in the past that we never actually get to live in our moment in the present. Some of us regret so, what somebody else said or did. Somebody described you once. I was telling my wife, I hate to say these things out loud, but preachers have to give illustrations that belong to them. I would love to just call on you, but 
All my life, people have told me how white I am. I went to the doctor once, the, the dermatologist. I walk in the dermatologist and he says, um, you're German, um, Swedish, Norwegian, British, something like that. I'm like, yeah, you're about 50% right. Why do you say that? He goes, well, it's the only place in the world to make people as white as you. And so inside, I've always had this sort of shame feeling about being so white. And it's a weird thing that you would take something somebody just says about your skin, which, by the way, you can't change, as your identity. Has that happened to you? What has been said about you that you're still dragging into the present? And you're having trouble being present in the present because something from the past is still talking in your ear. The Sabbath is designed for you to get in the habit of laying all that stuff down. Weekly practice of letting that stuff go. Letting God be the one who defines who you are. Not your third grade teacher who didn't like me much. You get the picture, right? Every seven days, God says, I want you to figure out how to lay all this stuff go and just be present with me. So you thought Sabbath was just about don't and 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 don't. No, it's not about any of those. It's about do. It's about the joy of anticipating what's coming, the blessing from God. It's about figuring out how to lay down all the things that worry you and burden you. And, you know, I was born in a poor family, and if anybody ever finds out that was true of me, then I'm going to be lost. Everybody will think, look down at me. No, they won't. And if they do, get some other friends. The gift that God is giving us every week is His time. What He wants from us is to be present. All right. This is uh, from the book called The Sabbath. Very, you know, hard hard thought and hard fought title from Samuel Dresner. There's much more to this quote, but I just wanted to give you a taste of it. The Sabbath has taught us how to sanctify time. Stop for a second. Don't miss that. How to set time aside for a holy purpose. How to set time aside for godly purposes. It's taught us how to make a difference of a certain period of time. How to take time and set it aside as holy. The Sabbath has taught us how to sanctify time and bring a dimension of holiness into the profane rhythms of life. To bring a dimension of holiness into the profane rhythms of life of a sinful, broken, messed up world. Our world right now is feeling pretty messed up to me. It's been messed up for a while. Pretty much since, well, Adam and Eve went to the devil's fruit stand, it's been messed up. 
But the Sabbath became doubly important when sin arrived because it allowed us to begin to understand that we had a part in making time sacred. Did you catch that? Listen again. You and I have a part in making time sacred. That's what all this business about stopping your work is about. It's about slowing down, letting go of some things, not being in charge of the world for 24 hours, letting God be God and yet you be present. And oh, by the way, don't mess up anybody else's experience either. That's the whole, the whole story. It's fairness. It's you get yourself ready to be in a relationship with God, to truly, truly give Him your full attention, and don't mess up anybody else's, anybody else's time. Be fair. Be fair about this. The Sabbath was made for man. Mark chapter 2, verse 27. The Sabbath was made for mankind. The Sabbath was made for mankind. Are you mankind? Therefore, the Sabbath was made for you. Not to control you. Not to put God's thumb on your head, but as a blessing for you. The queen and the bride. The bride and the queen. To sit in your backyard. Right now my backyard's looking good. Sit in your backyard and not worry about mowing the lawn. Lean back. Watch the sun set and say, I'm glad I'm not in charge of the world anymore. For the next 24 hours, God is God. I am not. I'm going to try to keep it there. For 24 measly hours, I do the best at this when I'm sleeping. But even in my sleep, I have a hard time not trying to control stuff. You too? But it's every week an opportunity to practice me knowing the relationship. Knowing that God is God. I am not. But He invites me in to a moment with Him that I have an influence on. I can learn to set aside time for a holy purpose. Isn't that crazy? You and I can learn to sanctify time. That's what the word means. It means to set something aside for a holy purpose. Sabbath was made for us. Jesus in the same setting says, the Son of Man, Jesus, is Lord of the Sabbath. Who's in charge of this 24 hours? See, we want to say God, but I want you to hear Jesus. Because everybody has trouble with God being stern and Jesus being kind. So hear Jesus. Hear the kind, loving Savior of the world who walked among us, wants to hang out with you for 24 hours. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And oh, by the way, the Son of Man, Jesus, is Lord of the Sabbath. He's the one who created it. He's the one who set it in place for us. He's the one who invites us into it. That's the day. That's the experience. 
He's the creator and the ruler of those 24 hours that you are setting aside to be with him. The Grainfield Incident. It's Mark chapter 2. It's that story you're probably a little bit familiar with. They did a great job with this story in The Chosen. Disciples and Jesus are walking through a grain field. It's Sabbath. There are lots of rules in Judaism about the Sabbath. There's lots of things you're not supposed to do, lots of things you're not supposed to do, lots of things you're not supposed to do, and not very many things you're supposed to do. They're walking through the grain field, and his disciples, lugheads, jugheads, lamos, they, they grab themselves some grain as they're walking through. They pull off the heads of grain. You ever done it? They pull off the heads of the grain. I used to pull off the heads of uh, wild oats. This doesn't work very well with wild, wild oats. You end up with weird stuff stuck in your mouth. Just don't, do, don't even try it. Do, do not try this at home. They walk through and they pull off some wheat, the Bible says. It, who knows? They didn't actually grow wheat. It's probably more likely barley. But when, they, uh, when the uh, translators were trying to figure out what they picked, they knew wheat was what grew like this, so they used wheat as their description in the King James. A lot of modern versions will say barley. But that's probably what it was. They pulled off some barley and they began to rub it in their hands like this. Because they're breaking off the exterior parts so that they can eat the grain that's found in the middle. And once they had rolled it around in their hand for a little while, they broke the Sabbath in another way. See, they'd harvested. Now they were winnowing. And then they blew away the chaff. And so they had now done all of the bad things you're not supposed to do. They were working on the Sabbath. Now let me ask you a question. Were they working? It kind of depends on how you define work, right? They had picked grain. They had winnowed it. They had prepared it to eat. And then they ate it. The only thing that was legal was the eating. Everything up to that point was illegal to do on the Sabbath. And there were reasons. They had a terrible theology. They had this terrible eschatology. They had this belief that if every Jew could keep the Sabbath perfectly one stinking time, the Messiah would come. And there are 12 guys who are following the Messiah. The irony just, just makes me giggle every time. Hey, they're, they're following the Messiah and they're, they're breaking the Sabbath. Who's the ruler of the Sabbath? Who's the creator of the Sabbath? Who's Lord of the Sabbath? He's there with them. They pull it off. They get it all prepped. They start to eat it. And some folks who are guardians of the Sabbath run up to him and say, Look what they're doing! The Messiah can't come because these people have broken the Sabbath. Do you realize that if everybody else on the whole planet did it perfectly, they just blew it for all of us? Funny how we get all tore up in our theology <laughs> and we start shouting at God. Isn't that interesting? You get all twisted up in your theology and you start shouting at God because He's not meeting your expectations in the moment. That's when Jesus goes through these descriptions that end with the Sabbath was made 
for these guys. The Sabbath was made for these guys who were hungry enough to pull off some grain and try to have something to eat as they walked along. The Sabbath was made for them. They were not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for them. When the bride arrives, she's coming for you. When the queen arrives, she's coming to your house. The Sabbath was made to be a blessing to you. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for mankind, not for just the Jewish people. The Sabbath was made for man is a statement about the Sabbath being for everyone. I want to take you back to Genesis 2 for just a second. Genesis chapter 1, on the first day, and then at the end of the first day, the evening and the morning was the first day. And then on the second day, and the activities of the second day, and at the end of the second day, and the evening and the morning was the second day. So the third, so the fourth, so the fifth, so the sixth. Do you notice that there's no close for the seventh? Because its reach is eternal. There's no close for the Sabbath. There's no, and that day ends with, and the evening and the morning were the seventh day. Wrap it all up, we're done. No rest was given to mankind for all eternity. The Sabbath was made for man, not man, For the Sabbath, it was a gift from God. Let's quiet your brain. Let's quiet your hands. Let's quiet your spirit. Let you set aside this time to be with me so that you can focus and we can be together. Here's our time. All. People say, well, the person whose Sabbath I interrupted wasn't keeping the Sabbath anyway. I don't think that's the point. Because the Sabbath was made for them. Whether I interrupted them or not, it's only fair that if I think it's a good thing, I not mess up a good thing for somebody else. That's the strictures around Sabbath. I'd like you to consider it. The Sabbath in the new earth. Did you know the Bible says the Sabbath will make its way through, past sin, be a part of the new earth? Isaiah's wrapping up his book. He says, For as a new heavens and a new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord. What does it mean by remain before me? Well, if something remains, what does that mean? It's going to stay there. It's going to be there. As the new heavens and the new earth will remain before me. In other words, they're not going away. They're not going away. So shall your descendants and your name remain. That's a great promise for Israel. Your descendants and your name will remain. Your people will be saved. Everybody? Even those who don't want to be? No, but those who do, yes. Those who do, yes. And it shall come to pass 
that from one new moon to another, I want to stop right here. Every time I read this passage, I think, should we celebrate the new moon? I don't think it would hurt to have a fifth Sabbath. I could deal with that. I don't know. I, the new moon is when the uh, dark of the moon takes place. So that time when you go from a, 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 the moon shrinking down, shrinking down, shrinking down to that little sliver of looks like a fingernail in the sky and then it kind of goes dark and then it comes back. That new moon is that day when it starts to come back. I don't know. Maybe we should. You try it. Maybe I'll try it. We'll see what we do. If I can remember, can you help me remember? We'll try that out. And from one Sabbath to another, all flesh will come. Who? All. That's everybody? All still means everybody? Everybody will come to worship before me, says the Lord. So in heaven, there's a Sabbath. And you won't have half the stuff to kind of put out of your brain that you have now. Because half of what's going on, maybe two-thirds of what's going on, maybe everything that's going on in your head is, is really infiltrated by sin. And it's hard to let a lot of that stuff go. Okay, Sabbath challenge. Phone. Could your phone take an entire Sabbath? My phone is in my office right now. And the fact that I know exactly where my phone is is comforting to me. You freak out when your phone gets lost? So if you're going to make you, let your phone take a Sabbath, put it someplace where you can find it afterwards, then you don't have to think about it. But I think it would be helpful to most of us. Because we're always... I mean, we have become so closely tied to these things that we... I can tell you, you, you can see this. You can see somebody just standing here doing this and you can see they're, oh, they're on their phone. No matter whether they're making eye contact with you or not. And half the time, you see somebody standing in front of an actual human being communicating electronically with somebody who's not present. Always kills me when I see people on a date. They're on a date. They're sitting there in a nice restaurant. The girl's all dressed up. The guy looks like a slob. I don't know why that's okay, but it seems to be. Guys, could you please hold up the gender when you go out to the restaurant? Please. You're making us all look bad, you bunch of slugs. So... Look nice. Okay, it's enough of the fatherly advice. But you'll see these two people all there. They're, you know, they're in this nice restaurant. They're waiting for their food to come. The waiter's been there a couple of times. They're you know, eating a little bread and they're typing away. They're, oh, look, the Instagram page. Oh, look. That's the whole story. For 15 minutes till their food gets there and busies their hands so they can't play with their phone. They are not present. Could you put your phone away for 24 hours? Does that sound impossible to you? You're an addict. Sabbath challenge. Could you turn your TV off for 24 hours? Could God get your attention from your television? Can the remote leave the couch? Could the remote go sit on a, on a stand or in a corner like it's being punished? Maybe it could join your phone. Could you put down the newspaper for 24 hours? Could you, in, could, could you interrupt the 24-hour news cycle for 24 hours? 
I know these are big asks, right? These are like, you're, you're, all, you're sitting there starting to break out in a sweat. I can see it on some of your foreheads. You see, the point is to allow your life some space for God. That's why he's telling an agrarian society, you have to stop working. Oh, and oh, by the way, don't hook your, your poor ox up to the grinding wheel and send him working the whole time you're relaxing. Give your ox a Sabbath. <laughs> I don't know how you give your dog a Sabbath. They seem like they're always taking Sabbath. And your cat, I don't know why people have cats, but. Sorry. Cat people. I saw her over there. I looked at her. My favorite people. Cat person. But these are the challenges that we have to set out before ourselves in order to let the bride come. You have to, if you have to anticipate the bride, you have to anticipate the queen. You, you clean your house for the bride because she's the bride. You queen, clean your house for the queen because she's the queen. And I don't care which motivates you. At the end of the day, you have the moment to let your brain relax and be with God. This is not to be a restriction. It is to be a gateway into better living. All the commandments are gates in the prison of sin. All the commands of God are gates in the prison of sin designed to optimize your life on this messed up little blue dot. They really are. Okay, preacher, keep moving. The Sabbath has taught us how to unite a way of thinking with a way of living. Join body and soul, heart and mind to the service of God. Body and soul, heart and mind. To really engage us entirely with God. If you think about this, God must think this is pretty important because he has us practice it every week. You know, there are these big festivals in Israel, but they were like once a year. They were actually once a year, not like, man, that's not like a valley girl all of a sudden. This thing he wants us to do every seven days. Because he wants to give you his time. And for you to even know he's given you his time, you're going to have to stop for a minute and engage him. So in the Sabbath, there's this idea of divine rest and divine peace. That if you get divine peace, you can have divine rest. Catch that? If you get divine peace, you can have divine rest. Without divine peace, divine rest is pretty much impossible. So the concept of the Sabbath is when it comes into your life, it brings you both divine peace and divine rest. So allow your mind to expand the idea for a second. 
This is what's going on in Hebrews chapter 4. There's a whole discussion. To understand this, you need to read verse chapter 3. So don't forget that. If you go home and look this up, read 3 and 4. But he's making his point. He's arriving at his point. He's, he's finally landing here. Now don't miss it. Don't miss this piece. There remains, therefore, a rest. For the people of God. And he mentions the Sabbath earlier. And he's comparing this to that. For he who has entered his rest, God himself, he's, he mentions earlier, I'm not going to allow them to enter my rest. That's what the discussion is. Read chapter 3 and 4. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his work. God stopped working on the Sabbath. That's how it got started. As God did from his, therefore. You've ceased from your work as God did from his. God ceased from his work and to those who are willing to put the faith in God behind the practice of rest, he said, therefore let us hold fast to our confession. This rest is the root of holding fast to your confession. The argument, we pull this text out all the time and say, let us hold on to our confession. But Sabbath rest, the idea that you can rest because God has brought you divine peace, the idea that salvation has put you in a place of rest That's the confession, the confession of Jesus Christ, that I have come to Jesus, I have given Him my heart, His grace had covered me, and I rest because of His sacrifice. I've learned to rest in the divine sacrifice. Divine rest has been given me because a divine being made a holy thing out of a messed up thing. That was me. And now I can have divine rest in the area of my sin. And our salvation is laid alongside Sabbath as the experience of divine rest, entering into the rest modeled by God. You got all this? I'm trying not to make this a hard thing. I want you to understand it was never meant to be a hard thing. That's what Jesus means by the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The people who practice Sabbath so often set up rules after rules after rules after rules to try to, try to manipulate themselves into this moment when they'll stop. And if you have to make a bunch of rules for yourself, try not to. But if you have to have them, okay. Don't expand your rules to everyone. There are rules in the Bible. Follow those. Stick with those. So that's the first part. Let us hold fast to our confession in Christ. But then catch the last part. This is the very end of Hebrews 4. Let us therefore, having come into his rest, having, ing- having been uni- united to him in divine rest, having been covered by the, co- by the grace of God, having had our sins wiped away by Jesus' blood, having come to recognize that this is in fact what Sabbath is celebrating for us as Christians, as we have now come into that confession, as we now have, have met it in Sabbath, as we now have practiced it by resting on this day in him, Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace. 
now that you know that you are covered by Jesus, boldly before the throne of grace, now that you've learned to rest like you would rest in the Sabbath, now that salvation parallels Sabbath for you, come boldly before the throne of grace. Enter through the sanctuary, through the priestly area, through the outer, outer holy place, through the tent, through the, the, the veil, into the presence of God, because you've come with Jesus. So can we put these pieces together in one greeting? Shabbat Shalom. Shalom comes from a word very similar, shalom. Shalom means to restore or to make restitution. Shabbat, shalom, means to find in the Sabbath a restitution, a restoral, a wholeness. This is why the author of Hebrews can tell us we can understand Sabbath rest because we have a rest in Jesus Christ. You're not doing this to gain anything from God. You're not trying to merit His love or His grace. It was given to you. That's why He handed you this temple in time, this moment to spend with Him. And it says, could you put your phone down? Could you put your remote down? Could you stop worrying about work? Can you stop worrying about all the other stuff that's going on in your life? Can you be present with me for this moment? I've covered your sin. Your salvation is secure. Come hang out with me. You can now come right in. Don't miss. Don't miss. You can now come right in with me into the presence of the Father without fear. Boldly, because a restitution has been made, a restoring of the relationship has been made. There's no longer a barrier of sin between you and God. It's been taken away by Jesus. Enjoy the bride, enjoy the queen. No worries. Let's pray. Thank you for giving us time. Thank you for calling us to a relationship with you that allows us to enter into this time in peace. Thank you for the covering and washing of the blood. Thank you for the promise of eternity. Thank you for the weekly reminder that all you really want is for us to be together, restored to our relationship completely. Thank you that from week to week we get to be reminded that you are our creator and you are our redeemer. That there remains a rest for the people of God. Thank you for the rest that we find in Jesus. 
that you offer in this temple of time. Help us to to be better at stopping and being. Amen.